So longtime listeners of the show will probably remember Jay Davis, who's been on a number of times. Well, in addition to being a friend and a consulting client, I'm excited to say now that he's also a sponsor of this show. Last year, when I was spending a lot of time at his company's office, he started a new company called Pillow Cube, which is this awesome memory foam rectangle pillow that's tall enough for me to be a side sleeper, but not have to have my head sag down like when I try to fold over my regular pillows. It's really pretty amazing, and for any side sleepers like me, it's great so we don't have to wake up with shoulder pain. On top of that, it's been really fun for me to see him have so much success because it's been selling like crazy. Anyways, if you're a side sleeper, I highly recommend going to pillowcube.com and getting one for yourself. About six or seven years ago, and it's an elementary school. It's kindergarten through fifth grade, sixth grade, kindergarten through sixth grade. We've turned it around. It's it's one of the top schools in the state now. It's last year before last because pandemic year. I just don't count it. We had teacher of the year, and we did it through like a business plan through incentives for the teachers, incentive through the kids. We have kids that are literally leaving, graduating sixth grade. They're reading on a sixth grade level. When we got involved. The kids were reading. The sixth graders were reading on about a third grade level, and all. It Welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. Today on the show, I've got Leanne Tui. Leanne, thanks for making time for this. Thank you for having me. So I'm interested, you do a lot of things, you've been involved in a lot of things. When when you introduce yourself for somebody who isn't familiar with you, what are, what are a few of the things that you cover? If people don't know who I am, sometimes it, it, it depends on the situation. I mean, if I'm walking into a card game or with, with girls at a some what it just depends on a business meeting or what the situation is but but depending on what it is I may just say that I'm you know Leanne Tui I'm married to Sean Tui I've been married 30 years I have three kids I may just give the basic introduction that you would think if it is a, a situation that I'm thinking these people might can help me make a difference then I'm going to go hey I'm Leanne Tui I'm not sure if that name sounds familiar to you but the mom from the blind side which I, it's been a long journey with that so I don't do it that often Mm-hmm. But it kind of is a, a, a good lead in because the fact that there are 440,000 foster kids in the United States of America that want a forever family, I feel like, hey, screw it. This is how I'm going to say this because it, they're more important than my introduction. Yeah. So and and what and I apologize. I love the movie and I forgot to look what Oscars did it get? nominated for what, what were the the big awards it was nominated for several it was up for best picture it was up for i'm not really sure because we were like we're what you want us to go where and they're going i oh, like you're going to the oscars and we're like oh no no we're, we're we we were like a fish out of water and they said no <laughs> you have to go to this i said that's going to be like the beverly hillbillies you know coming to california and it was we were truly like just golly look at this it was just so surreal but everyone was very gracious and very kind and we had a lovely time and sandra bullock portrayed me in the movie and she won for best actress so that was the big award yes how fun is that and you've got some new york times best-selling books and you've been on other tv shows and and obviously today i want to talk about orphan myth and everything you do about helping kids find forever families can you give us just a quick a quick uh, overview on a couple of those things as well 
Well, um, I do, the books are great. We, we've written several books. We're actually working on a third project. We've done three working on a fourth project, but the third project involves, with a book, it involves some other ancillary things that'll go with that, but they're all circled around kids. Our first book was in a heartbeat, the New York Times bestseller. It just kind of gave our backstory because people wanted to know, well, how are, are you and your husband givers and what made you want to be a giver and what made you take this path or what made you go in this direction? So a little bit of that is about our backstory and each of our three kids wrote a chapter in the book in their own voice and it's I mean SJ wrote his 100% word for word wrote it himself we didn't change one thing grammatically he it was just here go because he that's who SJ is he's our youngest we watered and fed him he grew up uh, he played undergraduate. Uh, his degree came from Loyola of Maryland. He played Division One basketball there. And then he's my smart kid. Thank goodness. There's seven years difference in he and Collins and Michael. And then he took his fifth year of eligibility and went to SMU and played Division One football, got his master's at SMU. And I am proud to say that within the next probably 90 days, he is going to be, be finished with his PhD. Oh, and wow. so that, yeah, so we're going to have to call him Dr. Tui, I think, which is going to be a little bit of an ouch for his mom. I'm like, really? But I guess he's worked really hard the last several years on that. So I guess Dr. Tui, it, it will be. And he is uh, now just took a new position as director of football operations at University of Central Florida. So he is uh, 27 and doing great. But it's, you know, it's, we have a lot of projects on some involve the kids, some don't, but basically with all that, you know, being said, my main passion is uh, every Friday I post a kid that's ready to be adopted on my social media. All someone has to do is say yes. We spend a lot of time vetting these kids, finding these kids, making sure that they're ready to be adopted. And a lot of work goes into it. And these are kids that are, a lot of them are very close to aging out of the foster care system. And that's horrible because if you look at statistics, when they age out of foster care, four out of five prisoners were in foster care. There's just so many statistics that are grim and depressing. And you go, what, what, why? And the reality is, same with all of these orphans, this is a manageable, it's one of the orphan myth things that I like. This is a manageable number. There's a lot of numbers in, the, in this country that we can't manage, the national debt, whatever the number is that's out of our control, there are manageable things. And we could manage the foster care numbers and the orphans. It is something that we could do if every faith-based organization in the United States of America was responsible for one foster kid or one orphan, we could wipe out the need for foster care in the United States. So it, this is a manageable number if people would just get involved with it and, and plug in and people just don't want to talk about it. It's not like something at the water cooler at work, people standing around and go, hey, you know, foster kid, or did you know that Leanne Tui post a foster kid? You should look at her. It's just uncomfortable. It's an uncomfortable conversation talking about this to so many people. And I don't understand why, because these kids are valuable and amazing and wonderful, and they really just need a chance. You know, it's interesting to me. I I don't disagree. There's not enough conversation about it yet. And it is interesting to me the way that like innovators and, and people from other sectors have brought their skills to these issues. You know, one of the big reasons that our show got behind the, the Orphan Myth campaign and, and we're doing this miniseries with, with all of you ambassadors that are a part of this is for us, the foster care system and youth homelessness and child trafficking in America are, are almost the same thing. I mean, the, the percentage, like the FBI put out a stat that 60% of the kids that they rescue from 
from child trafficking operations in the U.S. have been through the foster system. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, you you brought up the incarceration numbers and the homelessness numbers and the the holes in the foster system are there, and yet we have so many we have so many families that when when somebody like you can make these kids seem like an individual. Like it reminds me of the Mother Teresa quote, when I see the many, I do not act. When I see the one, I act. Which is what I love about your social media. You focus on a kid. It's not some random statistic about some overwhelming number. It's like this kid, (laughs) this individual human being needs love, needs a forever family. Like that, that is not something that I feel like the nonprofit sector has done enough of that focus on the one. And yet it's so massively effective. I just, I congratulate you on, on picking something that works there. Well, I appreciate that. You know, it's interesting when I started this, the first couple of weeks, I just, I couldn't, it just crushed my heart because I'm looking at a face, a beautiful face. And I know what happens through our journey. I mean, I know when you offer a, a child hope and love and opportunity that it changes their life. And I look at, I look at my first couple of weeks and I, my husband goes, are, are, are we going to adopt them? Because it was just, I was like, it's killing me. I, I can't. And then I had to step back and go, okay, you can't let this become a daunting task for you. This is not about you. Put your big girl pants on and put your right foot in front of your left foot and let's do this. Because you're right here. This is a face. This is a person with a heartbeat. This is a a young man or a young lady that all they want is somebody to open their heart and their home and offer them a forever family. They want to have a birthday. They want to have Christmas. They're not asking for, I mean, it's not about even money. And trust me, it's, it's, I kept thinking, oh, we're going to adopt and what can we, I'm going to have more laundry and what more mouths to feed and all. And it just, sometimes when you're living in the battle, you just, you don't realize it until you look back and go, wow, I just, I just did that. And it it is not as daunting as people think in their minds that it is. These kids just want to be accepted and want to be loved. And so that was, uh, you're right, because globally you look at a project and whatever it might be, and you just, you just see it as this big like blob and you go, well, I'm not, I can't, my 10 bucks isn't going to make a difference here. My hour a day is not going to really help them. Eh, They don't need me. Well, your time, your hour a day and your $10 probably would make a difference. So don't lose sight of that. But I wanted to give you a, a, a live body to go right here. Here is a project. You can help us change the trajectory path of this child's life. Just say yes. And it may not be you. Talk to your neighbor. Talk to your business partner. And talk to somebody in the grocery store. Talk to your old high school friend, your old college roommate whomever you think has the potential to even they might know somebody. This could be three tiers down the road, but just you opening the door could be the one person that might know somebody else that could be the person that would open their home and their heart to that child. So it may not be you, but just, I tell people, if you just go on there and favor my Instagram post, it gets the algorithm up to where more people see that child. And this is working. We're having home studies every week on these kids. We already have matched a couple of the kids. We have got all kind of people that have put in to do home studies for them so they can potentially become a foster parent. So we're seeing success every single week in some shape, form, or fashion, which is very encouraging. Well, uh, you you know, I, I love hearing that so much. You know, I'm interested, you know, I know that this is this is your heart. This is what is makes you passionate. 
I'm interested in any of the advantages that you think you have with, with your husband and yourself being so successful on the business side. And, and for people not familiar, maybe you could talk just a little bit about all the restaurants and, and just any of like the, the business sense or the, the sense of being able to get things done that you think is an advantage in all this advocacy work that you do. Well, I think the journey that Sean and I have been on, we got married, we graduated from college in May of 1982, and I told him we're getting married June 12th in 1982, and that's what we did, and he is a very coachable guy for 39 years, it's worked for us, it's been amazing, and he was in the investment business when we first got married, and he decided very quickly that, that that was not for him. And he wanted to basically be his own boss. And he looked at a lot of different things and contacted several different entities. And through a series of events, he stumbled upon someone in the fast food world. And they talked to him. They were very knowledgeable about it. And he thought that he had an interest in that. So he contacted a couple of different uh, Taco Bell. The Yum brand was not his first go-to. And several were swinging and misses. And he stumbled onto somebody that was in the Yum business. And that they said, here's how you get in touch with these people. And he said, oh, I, you know, like he knew what he was doing. And I'd like to have one of those in Memphis, Tennessee or Oxford, Mississippi. And they kind of laughed. It, he was talking about where our footprints were at the time. And they said, well, there's nothing available. So that kind of just died down. And then like a month later, he got a call from him and said, well, you know, we have this one odd store in Meridian, Mississippi that we're willing to sell you. And I, we were like, where is Meridian, Mississippi? And it is, it is just in the middle. It is like between, it's on the Alabama, Mississippi border. It's several hours from Birmingham, several hours from Jackson. It's just kind of out there by itself. And he drove down there and he said, I'm going to give this to go. It was four and a half hours from where we were currently living back, you know, it's, it's interstate part of the way, but some two lane roads for a good bit of it. And he worked for three years, probably 60 hours a week in that store. He opened it. He closed it. We had to borrow money from everybody we knew to purchase the store. Both of our parents gave us like a thousand dollars. I mean, they, they, I mean, his dad was a coach and a school teacher. His mother was a homemaker. Both of our parents, they didn't have the means to do something like that. I mean, anybody, Hey, can we borrow a hundred bucks from you? It it was, we had some very gracious friends that took a chance and, and then it was, there was no like single big, you know, donation made. It was just goodness of people's hearts. And, and we borrowed and put everything we had on the line. And, and the man literally worked 60 hours or more a week. He changed light bulbs. He striped the parking lot. He cleaned the grease pit. He did it all. And suddenly one store became three and three became 30 and 30 became 50 and 50 became 100. And it just grew exponentially. And he got into other brands. And he's a very, very hard worker. And finally, at 60, I, I said, you know, this is a great business plan and, and you've worked hard your entire life since we were 23 years old. I think that it's time that we do something philanthropic, that we get involved in other ways, trying to make a difference. And because he had a business plan, he knew a model. He was an organized kind of guy. He could attract people. People are attracted to Sean. He's just he's he's just a super amazing guy. He's a giver. You know, we say in this world, there's two types of people. They're givers or takers. And my husband is certainly a giver. And through our years, I've seen him, even with when we had one store, I didn't know how we were going to pay for the deliveries of food that week. If people needed food, he always gave food. I mean, I he would, it's the Taco Bell world, you don't stage food. It stays out three or four minutes. And then that's, you, you, you chunk it and you move on. It's just, they're, they're great about everything being fresh. And 
he just knew he would keep the stuff and then he would, if, if when he would leave work, if he knew of certain places that would need food or whatever, he would always, he's always been conscientious of making sure that you used everything that you had to make a difference. You weren't wasteful. If he recycles and he takes his old sneakers and gives them to you know people that don't have shoes, just all kind of things. I mean, I, you know, I, if we could all, if I could clone Sean, the world would be a better place. But I do think through his path of business that it has helped us be able to go out and plug ourselves in. We, we were very involved. We go into schools. We, we have a school in Memphis, Tennessee that was really, it was just at the bottom of every Everything. We got involved about six or seven years ago, and it's an elementary school. It's kindergarten through fifth grade, sixth grade, kindergarten through sixth grade. We've turned it around. It's it's one of the top schools in the state now. It last year before Alaska's pandemic year, I just don't count it. We had teacher of the year. And we did it through like a business plan, through incentives for the teachers, incentive through the kids. We have kids that are literally leaving, graduating sixth grade. They're reading on a sixth grade level. When we got involved, the kids were reading, the sixth graders were reading on about a third grade level. And all it took was our time. And so that's why I try to tell people, time is your most valuable commodity. And if you can invest it in whatever the organization is, whatever, wherever you are, whatever you're passionate about, if if we, we proven with this school, if we spend one extra hour a day with every one of these kids, that their reading level, their math scores, everything just skyrocket. So if you don't know anything else to do, find a underprivileged school somewhere that is near you and plug yourself in there one hour a week. And you would just be surprised at the difference it would make in the lives of those kids. <laughs> I love this so much. And and just for people not as familiar with the Yum Brands, it's Taco Bell, KFC, Pizza Hut, Long John Silver's, right? Correct. A and W. It, and it's got a few one-offs. And through our with thirty something years in that, with it's they've had you know California pizza. Things have come and gone through the years, but the mainstays are Taco Bell, Pizza Hut, and KFC. And and, yeah. and so those those are the the you know the leaders. By the way, have you ever heard of a comedian named Josh Sneed? Does that ring a bell at all? I don't know Josh Sneed. Okay, you and your husband should go to you guys should go to Dry Bar Comedy. It's like the world's largest collection of clean comedy and watch okay. the Josh Sneed special because he has some funny jokes about the young brands and and you know some of the funny combinations and and I think just because of your backgrounds you guys would think it was funny. So I will do that tonight. Yeah it, it we think it's funny anyways. So to me like what I love so much about that like I guess you know, my business hero is Warren Buffett. And I look at the guy who becomes the richest man in the world and you know it, it fluctuates in the top 10. But he becomes richest man in the world as like a sport and then goes ahead and gives it all away, you know, and and you look at Bill Gates doing this and and how many other billionaires they got to sign that giving pledge thing. And like, I feel like there's so many successful folks who are making it cool to give back instead of hoard it all. And, you know, we've always had philanthropy and we've always we've had charity for hundreds of years. And but but I think because of the media attention on it, it's becoming more and more of a thing. And like. Just you willing to come out and say, hey, here's what we did and here's what we're doing now instead, you know, like one of my thoughts for for our media business here is like, what if we what if we started teaching classes on how to help entrepreneurs become wealthier faster so they have the time and money to do charity, you know, and like, I love it. Hopefully they invest in our in our real estate fund so they have some passive income or something like that. But, you know, like 
just profile people like you and like your real story, like you just saying that, like, here's what we did with this one school. Like you didn't just quote me statistics or whatever. You said this one school and we gave the incentive and we had the teacher of the year. Like that just, to me, it just feels so relatable. And I immediately thought like, as if I'm not busy enough already, but I immediately thought, oh, I wonder what I could do in our, you know, I wonder what I could do in our town, South of Park City, Utah. You know, like I, I could do an hour a week. It's, it's funny when you shrink, when you shrink the ask like that, you know, people are going to have such good feelings. They get addicted and they do a lot more than an hour a week over time, right? Right. You want to make it doable and manageable. And that's what I don't try to make it overwhelming for people that one hour, because what happens is when those people do give you that one hour, about the third time, they're like, oh, you know, I can stay about 30 more minutes. I got, I got a little bit more time. And then all of a sudden <laughs> a month into it, they're there three hours a week. And you realize because I, I don't care what the genre is. When you give, you want to, it, it becomes infectious and you want to give more and you want to give more and you want to give more. And I, as I tell people all the time, you can't take this stuff with you. There's not one person in the United States of America that has ever seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul because you can't take this crap with you. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's going to be, it's, it's, it's not, it's just not like the hoarding. When you said that word gave me the image of that U-Haul. There's no reason to hoard the stuff. And yes, I mean, I hope that we have the ability to leave our kids something when we're not on this earth anymore. But you know what? My parents didn't give me anything except a little advice and get up and, you know, dust yourself off and get off your butt and make your own money. So it's, it's nothing says that they're entitled to any of this. And if we can make a difference in a school that I know long term or a whatever the project, a hospital or a library, I'm very big about walking into a public library. I don't think people this day and age, you think that everything is so technical and li- the, li- the word library almost sounds archaic you would have you just can't imagine what happens in a public library first and foremost most people have to go there to use a computer whether it's for a job application or whatever it might be you have no idea how many people in this country don't have a computer so they make an appointment and they line up to use the computers in the library it it may be a place where we'll go to cool off or to look at a magazine or to literally read a book and they have no other way to do it but to go to the library because they don't have a cell phone they can download it's just we we get this image everybody's got a cell phone everybody's got a computer so we'll go into libraries and their computer Computers are like the dial-up. They're the old, I mean, and you get involved. You you say, okay, I'm going to get 10 friends and we're going to make this library over. And we've done, we've literally done this before. And we put in, you know, 20 new computers and new carpet and new paint. We have trimmed the bushes out in front and just made it look, have the curb appeal look better, more inviting and welcoming. And it's just all, there's a sensory young area where mothers can come in with their, their children and they can, the kids can touch and feel and you can tell them the, here's a plastic apple and here's a, it's a learning opportunity for preschool kids. There's so many things that go on in a library. The next time you drive by one, take a second and just stop. And you go in them and they look like they were done in like, because most of them were in like 1960 and a little paint and wallpaper and carpet and computers. And it changes the whole thing. So there's things like that that you don't even realize that you can grab 20 of your friends and go to Lowe's and get a little paint 
and, and put a little you know muscle in there and fluff up the library we're not beyond that that shouldn't be above anybody everybody should realize that nothing is above you being able to do go in there and with hedge clippers and trim some bushes you know what it'll make you feel good you, it'll, it'll make you feel good about yourself that you're doing something that truly makes a difference yeah you know it's fun to i you know this this show is mostly you know our listeners are mostly entrepreneurs and investment fund managers and like you know innovators at big giant corporations and stuff right and one thing I will say about this work is there are so many opportunities for your work life to do this type of good. Like the kind of systems that you spot and the kind of problems that you realize you're having with your staff and your employees. You go to the nonprofit world and you realize, man, these, these folks have to get volunteers to do that stuff. And, mm-hmm. and you see the revenue challenges and you look, at, you look at some nonprofit and you're like, man, these people could do so much more if they would just fix this and this. And then you go back to work and you realize, oh, I'm part doing kind of the same thing here. And like... You know, I will say it has been such, (laughs) this is so funny. Me starting the Child Rescue Association with my brother and wife and his wife and our friends and, and, you know, our our friend in common, Lindsay Hadley, right? Who ramped it up for us. It's been such a door opener for business opportunities. And I've got to say, all these people, they don't do any fact checking. They don't see if I'm a total scam or anything. They just assume (laughs) that if I'm running a charity like this, I must be a good human. And they make all these crazy assumptions. I hope those assumptions are true. But people will make so many Hey, hey, I checked on you. I made sure you were a good dude. Let me tell you, I checked (laughs) on you. You are a good dude doing good stuff. So if anybody is questioning that, I vetted him. So he's good. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But but there really are, there are so many business opportunities by by having a little self-sacrifice and helping other people when there's nothing in it for you. There's, There's innovation opportunities and the chance to spot patterns and the chance to like, see the whole world through a kid's eyes or, you know, like there's, there are so many like cold-hearted capitalist business reasons to leave all the cold-hearted capitalist stuff aside for a while and just go care about another human being. You know, it's funny. We're put on this earth to serve others and we never need to lose sight of that. We're put on this earth to serve others. We truly are. You know, I think it's, I I love that saying. It it reminds me of something I think was said by Einstein of only a work, only a life lived for others is worth living. Exactly. And uh, it's funny, though, because the media tells us to focus on ourselves and everything tells us to worry about ourselves. And yet the happiest, the happiest anybody ever is, is like serving their kids, serving somebody in desperate need. Those are like the best feelings people ever have, don't you think? Well, you think about the happiest time of the year when you're the happiest. It's usually during the holidays when you're celebrating Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanda, whatever you're celebrating during the holidays, because we're nightly givers during that time of the year. And there's something about it that's euphoric. And we look forward to it and we prep and plan and decorate for it. And I tell people, if it feels so good that time of the year, why don't you do that 365 <laughs> days? Because if you've got that feeling, then continue that same process. Be, be a giver all the time. And it's such whatever the project is, you, you choose the project, whatever, if you're a, a CEO or a CFO, whatever your initials might be, Get your kids involved. You'll find out a lot of us don't spend enough time with our, our kids and they we show up at a few things here or there. But this is quality time, getting your kids involved in a project, whether you're going into a boys and girls club or whatever it might be that you go into, 
as a family that you go in and go, hey, we're going to take this project on. We're going to Monday night or Saturday afternoon or whatever the day may be. We're going to go in here and see what we can do to make a difference, whether we're volunteering, whether we're teaching a kid to read, whether we're helping them with math, where we're helping them with basketball skills, whatever your niche is and that you're going to help that child with. I'm telling you, you will get, get a, adopt, be a big, uh, a big brother or a big sister. We, we did that with all of our kids when they were 16 at the age where you could do that. And they had this one child that every week they went and spent an hour with. They've stayed in touch with those kids. It's amazing the impact that they had on the kids, but it's more amazing the impact that those kids had on our children. And they would come home and go, oh, we got to do this, or he needs that, or can we take him to this game, or can we... And just little things like that develop your children. They, they enhance your family. You will never regret volunteering or giving back. Never. I've never heard one person walk away and say, I regretted doing that. Well, I'm not surprised. The, the next thing I want to talk about is these orphan myth people. You know, you know my undying love for Lindsay Hadley, and I know you've got to know her a little bit. But, but tell me about what it was about this campaign that you thought, yeah, we want to, we want to attach our names to that. We want to be a part of that. The campaign is getting ready to kick off here, just uh, coming up very shortly, right, 22nd, 24th of March is coming up. And I, I think that it was, it very much paralleled what we believe, what we do, what the Making It Happen Foundation is our foundation. And everything that our foundation is passionate about, this whole orphan myth thing is, is just, you know, it's all about making a difference in the lives of these kids. And there's a lot of misnomers about orphan, you know, orphan, even that word, I hope, it's not a word that's used very often, but it's, it's, it's accurate. And it, if you look at the definition of it, I mean, boom, right there in front of you, that's what we're trying to prevent. That's what we're trying to lessen the numbers of. That's where we're trying to make a difference. And I just think that if we can get people, the more people that we can get involved with this, the greater impact that we can have on these kids. Because like I said a minute ago, whether they're in Indonesia or Indiana or wherever these kids are from, they basically need love. They need forever families. They, they just need structure and support and a system. And we have failed them on that. We have failed miserably on that. And so this whole campaign is something that we're, I'm just cheerleader for. I just think that it is, we all need to plug ourselves in just for a second and see what we can do to get involved here and to change the trajectory path of all of these kids' futures. Wow, that's great work. So, so tell us a little bit more about the foundation and the website and, and, and what you've got going on there. Well, our foundation is called the, the Making It Happen Foundation, and it's that came from my husband's company name, but it, it, it fit this as well. And basically, we just try to, there's so many kids that just slip through the cracks. You, you kind of look at someone like a Michael, or there's so many, uh, Steve Jobs, there's, I can just name person after person that were foster kids or, or kids that were adopted by people. Go Google the names. It, it would blow your mind. And all these people became successes because there was someone behind them or they had someone that believed in them. And so we try to do that. We, we try, we're kind of the last line of defense. We do a lot of connecting the dots to people. We try to just any way that we can help with an adoption, especially these kids that we post every Friday that are ready to be adopted. It's, there are some, uh, some finances sometimes that certain organizations you have to go through their process. And we try to, if we can't do it, we try to find people that can do it. Just it's, it, we, we're involved anyway. Our passion is older kids that are aging out of the system because it's like one day we care for them. On Sunday, they're 17 and we care about them. And then on, on the next day, they turn 18 and we kick them to the streets. 
And I laugh at that number because I look at all of our friends and their 18 year old kids are living in their basement. They're taking <laughs> care of them. They're doing, and I'm like, whoa, whoa. You think that these kids, why your kids aren't capable of doing this at 18? Why do you think these foster kids at 18, you give them a black garbage bag and off they go and they're on the streets. And then in a month they're selling drugs or they've turned to prostitution or whatever that they're doing. And you go, I just can't believe they're doing that. Uh, well, what, how do you want them to survive? They're, they're, they have no other means of survival. And so we, we've got to get involved, whether you're in, get involved with Lindsay and Orphan Miss or the, excuse me, the Making It Happen Foundation or whatever it is, we got to do something. That is the box we can't check is doing nothing. And so I just like the fact that Lindsay, they're kicking off this major campaign, great charities involved. It, it, we're trying to do something to bring awareness and to drive people to know that we got to get involved because if we don't, it's just going to get gloomier and the numbers are going to get exponentially larger. Prisons are going to get fuller. I mean, it's just, it's, it's just, it's just going to just be a disaster. So we've got to do something to stop. And, and it's been made worse through the pandemic because it's, I, I didn't want to get into all those, but the pandemic has done nothing. Child abuse is up. All, all these numbers are up. So we, we've really, really, really got to focus on the right things. We're so focused on the wrong things in this country. This is something that we can community, we can come together, and we absolutely can change this if we just put forth effort. Well, I'm sad that I know we've only got a couple more minutes here because I got a million other questions I want to ask you. But I guess my, my last two things would be this. One, I just want to say that I love that you are partnering up with other charities. You know, having spent 10 years in the space, there's so many people who don't have a business mindset. And so they, they haven't spent the time to either learn the skills to have a good revenue system for their charity or to recruit the right people who do have those skills. And so they're so busy fundraising all year long, they can't do as much good. And there's such a unfortunate you know, cat fights of like fierce competition of charity of like, oh, I hope that soup kitchen doesn't get the money that would have gone to us kind of stuff. <laughs> I, I know, hate, isn't that right? awful? I know, I know. So, you know, there's this business idea of co-opetition of like, hey, instead of competing with folks, can you can't you figure out how to cover different parts of the spectrum or take on different aspects and and turn your competition into friends, right? And not that these other charities are competition, but to me, I love that you have banded together and that you've done what so few charities do and you're willing to acknowledge, hey, we're not the only ones who can help with this issue. In fact, everybody needs to help and look at all these other great organizations that are helping too. And it just shows like a confidence and a like, it, sh it, it proves that you're more about your mission than you are about yourself. And I I just admire any philanthropic leaders who can lead that way because the, the, that, the whole nonprofit world needs more of that. And then the other thing is, I love that you write books, you, you have your movies, Sandra Bullock wins the Oscar playing you, and, and then you take that attention and, and focus it here and you, you, use that, you use that tool for good. So I don't well, know if you have any you. thoughts I, or comments I, I, on any of that, but. Well, I appreciate that. It's not about me. And so I've learned that. I learned that a long time ago. It's not about me. And we're all in this together. That's the bottom line. That's where the rubber meets the road. We are all in this together. We're all, we need to all get in the same boat and we need to row in the same direction. And like you said, it shouldn't be a competition. There are a lot of times people come to me and want to invest or get involved. And I'll say, you know, that's great, but I think that you would be better served over here. 
And a lot of times connecting the dots, even if, if you think, oh, I, I just need to say what they want to hear. So they'll do this with me or participate in this or give me that. Yeah, sometimes karma's a bitch. So you, you really, it's, it's not all about you. And it is about coming together. And I think we can do this so much better together than we can divided and splintered and separated. So let's come together. Let's find our commonality. Let's all hold hands and sing Kumbaya, whatever it is. Let's do it together. Well, I love it. And I appreciate you making time for this. And I appreciate the way you're helping kids. Well, thank you. And I look forward to our paths crossing. Okay, great. Thanks so much. All right, darling. Talk to you soon. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Okay, bye.